a very good afternoon to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Synthesis Podcast, where we take a look at various interesting items. Today, I am joined by Synthesis's CIO, that is Tom Wells. Tom, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, how's it, Howard? How are you doing? Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. So what we really wanted to chat about today is banking. Where is this hmm. industry going so the banks used to be i mean i'm just thinking of that mary poppins movie where the banker was this you know obviously all male but uh, but he represented the establishment and authority yeah. and uh, protected everybody's money well i guess banks still do that but but things have really changed i mean our bankers today yeah. are quite cool aren't they in many ways yeah yeah i guess so howard i mean i think when when, when i think about when I think about banking specifically, it's a bit of a, um, it, it, for me, it's a bit of a contradictory uh, sort of thought in my head because um, certainly for today, I, I, I sit here, I think, as, a, as, as sort of like a, a chief technology officer of a software company that primarily writes a lot of software for, for banks, but I also sit here as a, as a consumer of banking services, you know, as an individual who receives a salary into a bank account, and I've, I've got my own personal payments that I need to make, um, and I've, you know, my own particular interests and subscriptions, and, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm an engaged uh, sort of citizen in in the world, right? And I need to make use of banks. So, and 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 I have to say to you that as a consumer, I feel incredibly underserved, I suppose, by banks. And and I don't think that's like a surprising statement, I suppose. I think a lot of us, you, you know, certainly me. I, I mean, I'm not a millennial, and I'm not a Generation Z type of person. You know, I'm sort of in my like late 30s, let's let's call it. And um, however, I'm, I'm very much a technologist, right? I mean, my whole day is driven through through systems that automate and make my life easy. You know, I'm, I'm able to deliver food to my house. I can get groceries delivered. Um, I, can, I can watch anything I want on TV. I can find uh, content on any topic on YouTube, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, when I think about my bank, I think, oh, this is the old world. So every time I need to do anything uh, that, that relates to making a payment or, 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 or you know, setting up a debit order or, or wanting a loan or trying to get some financial advice or whatever it is, I feel mm. I have to flip into like in, into almost the age of my father, you know, right. and, adult, and it's like adult mode. Yeah. Yes. I have to flip into adult mm. mode. Yeah. And, and I think I, I see that as one of the big opportunities in banking, you know, in the next couple of years is, is to really cross over from that, like really actually archaic mode of, of operation into, into this more digital and actually more involved type of model. So when I, when I think about, you know, when I think about banks, I think that they're very inward, inward focused. They, they, they kind of sit there and they look internally at what are their products and, 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 you know, what will people come in here to buy from us and how can we try and pitch these new ideas that we've got inside to our customers, as opposed to being very outward looking and saying, actually, like, what are, you know, how does Howard's life roll, mm, you know, mm. from hour to hour and month to month and year to year and say, like, how can we like get involved in that? You, you know what I mean? And, and I think the, the, the sort of most successful companies are the ones that, that, that are more outward facing. You know, it's the, it's the kinds of companies that, that, that have like physically pushed themselves into your life. And, and so I, I know it's, like, it's quite a high level fleeting comment, but I, I do think that's the big opportunity for banks is to look more outward and reinvent themselves actually as a customer centric entity, as opposed to a product centric 
or uh, like a more defensive mode. They need to become like more involved in my life. And, and, and if I think about uh, their potential to do that, it's immense. I mean, they have every, you know, the, the amount of data that banks have got at an individual level about your particular behavior is, is probably more than anyone, you, you know, more than any other, yeah. maybe, maybe Facebook, you know, is, is, is competitive from a social media perspective. But if you look at your spending patterns, that probably tells you a ton about who you are as a, as a very specific individual, your particular needs, desires, profile, whatever it is. And I just think like, Banks have not crossed that, crossed that threshold of going, actually, we know so much about words, our customers. Yeah. Sorry, go. Well, they do because you'll get a fraud. I, I've got a fraud alert before on my card because somebody bought KFC in Ferenichen. And, right. and that's outside of my buying pattern. So, yeah. so, so they know they know yeah. that I'm never going to be buying KFC in Ferenichen, yeah. which means that – that, but that's but that's to protect me, and that's almost in the negative, rather than what you're saying is. But hold on, if you know all of this stuff about Howard, what else can you do to make his life easier, uh, more efficient? And yeah, yeah. How, so, how can it so be more it, relevant? It, it, really? It's such an excellent example, actually, and you're quite right. That's like and fraud, absolutely, is very defensive. So I think it's a, you know someone is trying to steal something from you, Howard, which may have some ramification on the bank. And so we must prevent this thing. We must be defensive. And so fraud systems are, are, are very powerful at picking up these anomalies. And that's awesome. But now imagine yeah. pivoting that into a more positive sense, which is to say, you, you know what, Howard, we know just we, we, we know that you generally go on an annual vacation in November. We can see this. We know this. We know how much it cost you last year. We know where you went. We know how long you saved for it because we can see it. We know that you came back and and you were in some sort of deficit, you know, you overspent, why don't we preemptively start to work with Howard to say, you know what, like, if you want to have another holiday like that one where you drove to Cape Town or whatever it was, like, you know, what would be great is if you started to put away, you know, 2000 Rand a month for the next four months, that's really going to make your holiday so much better. Like, isn't that an awesome spin? I mean, that's what I want. And that's what I want from my bank is someone to really like, get involved. and I'm quite happy for them to be able to profile my behavior, but then use it in a way that makes me a better person, you know, um, and improves my life. Mm. And then I'm, and then I'm hooked. I mean, for now, I, like for me, like, you know, the ability to switch bank is really difficult. I got to switch debit orders and cards and all that stuff. So I'm not like switching, but there's other than the fact that it's hard to switch, I would happily switch, you know, to someone who, who, who had that kind of, mechanism something that's potentially more social more data driven so i do see that as a huge more um more edge yeah 100 percent. more involved more in my life you know yeah mm. which is so interesting because we're so nervous about data but as you said the banks have more information on us than almost anybody else does yeah and it's kind of willingly i mean you do willingly give that data to your bank sure. because it is you know like your mm. financial situation i mean the bank you you do have this huge amount of trust in them and they they've got a very you know set of secure systems and all this good stuff and anti-fraud and, and so i have a huge amount of trust in mm. in them as a, a, a as a way of protecting my money or my value or my wealth or whatever it is um but then you, you know use that you know why not i mean you have it as opposed to facebook where, where it's like okay so you know, they're kind of monetizing it, you know, outside of, outside of me, whereas I'm actually monetizing the bank directly, you know, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. How does South Africa compare to the rest of the world? 
Yeah, that's that's a very good question. So I think, I mean, I, I'm I'm certainly not like a banking expert, so I can't really. I, I mean, I've I've never banked in any other part of the world except for the US, but that, that was like 12 years ago, and they're a very different system. But but I do think interestingly, there is there is this this. It, it, it's not so much about other countries, but maybe more around globalization, right? So this this idea of being inspired by maybe the the neo banks or the or the digital only banks that we're seeing certainly like flow back into South Africa. So there's N26, I think, was one of the first neo banks, which is really a digital only. I mean, it's really just an app. You just download an app onto your phone. You go through a KYC process and like voila you've got a you've got a bank account opened and, and your card arrives in the mail you know the next few days and through and and there's 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 no branches and and nothing like that and i think actually south africa from that perspective like there's certainly like good banks in south africa that are following that model and i think very successfully so i think the fastest growing banks in south africa today are more along that digital only or neo bank uh, model which i think is really awesome and it definitely shows that south africa is on certainly on the cutting edge, but, but, but I still feel the cutting edge globally, we are so far behind what, you know, us as a consumer should expect from our, uh, from our banks. And it's maybe it's always like feels a little bit hesitant that, that banks are not moving into that breach. And I, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why, why that is. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, that's my feeling. Um, I almost, you know, an, another big passion of mine is, is, is understanding, um, like, like the crypto world, right? And, and it's not so much about cryptocurrency or, you know, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum as currencies, you know, that's fine. And, and that's, you know, up, up for speculators to use. But the underlying technology underneath this thing, which is, of course, yes, of course, blockchain, but this there's first generation blockchain, which is what we may have seen from Bitcoin, sort of second generation will be something more like Ethereum. And, and, and there's almost like this evolution into maybe even third generation and potentially even fourth generation blockchains, which is all around trying to create um, this idea of this in internet of value, if, if that makes sense. So, um, and really, you know, if we think about payments today, especially on the internet, we have really two very distinct channels. We've got, you know, our web browser, which delivers us content, right? If we go to YouTube and we stream, or we go to Netflix or whatever it is, we've got this content channel for sure. Even take a lot, you know, we're ordering something. We can go and browse, you know, things. We can add them to a cart or whatever it is. As soon as we then need to, move into payment, we flip into another channel, which is like a payment method. You know, we go and check out with, you know, with whoever, some payment card company mm. or PayPal or whoever it is. Um, and, and they're very, two distinct, very distinct channels. You know, content and payment are, are, are separate. Um, and it totally does make sense. I mean, you even see this in the physical world. If I go and buy a cup of coffee, you know, at Starbucks, you know, the coffee gets delivered to me and then I still have to take out my card and pay using some other mechanism. There's no connecting of these two things. Um, however, interestingly with the blockchain world, um, we're starting to see like a collapse of these two things into a single, into a single channel where, where, where content and value can be really inside the same channel. And I think that's a very interesting, interesting model because it means now suddenly the internet is not just a content delivery network, but it's also a value transfer mm, mechanism mm, and, yeah. and and as soon as you start to see that you go well where does the bank now play its role because if you think that the bank itself is really a custodian of the payment channel if you think about it from a consumer perspective i i've gone to the bank to make this payment or i've tapped my card on this device and that hits a bank to make this payment it's really outside of you know netflix directly or it's outside mm. of 
takealot.com. Now what we're seeing with Ethereum is like, no, we can bring those together. In fact, I can, I can have a payments experience that is just between the two of us. Like we really don't need a third party intermediate between us in order to have this conversation. We could also, while delivering content to each other, we could also deliver value to each other over exactly the same channel which I think is also a very interesting thing that banks have got to start to figure out in, in, in the it's, next it's few fascinating years. Because I see that Twitter is experimenting as well with something they're calling the tip jar. So if, if right. you happen to be a qualified yeah. person on Twitter, I like your content, I can tip you. And, and one yeah. of the difficulties that they're having is what, what payment mechanism do they use in order to facilitate it? And yeah. exactly what you're talking about is where content and payment actually comes together. Yes. And, and we've got to find a, a better way to do it. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's another perfect example. Um, and so with that Twitter tip jar, um, you know, it, it, today I sit here with a credit card and a, and a bank account. And mm. if I wanted to make that tip jar payment, like Twitter would have to direct me off to some kind of yes, third right party. PayPal or something. PayPal or something, yeah. right? And suddenly I mean, I've stepped out of the channel. Yeah, exactly. Mm, exactly. Mm. Whereas what, what Ethereum is trying to do and some of the third and fourth generation blockchains are, are trying to bring that experience into your browser. And so when I click that tip jar, my browser will actually deliver, deliver value directly to Twitter or even directly to the person who tweeted. In fact, Twitter is not even part of, the, of that experience. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, obviously, the Twitter tip jar, probably they, they're quite keen on their cuts. So it probably will today flow through Twitter. But, but the mm. future of the network is that we can have a direct payment experience between two individuals, no third party intermediary, which I think is really interesting. Um, it, it's almost like if you, if you think about um, uh, the, the, the telephone company in the, in the sort of 1980s, pre-internet. I know internet was like in the 80s maybe, but I mean, it wasn't huge. But like the telephone company really was the custodian of communications, right? If you wanted to communicate with someone, you had to pick up the phone and do it. Um, internet came along and just kind of disrupted that whole thing. It's like, actually, it's more efficient to communicate over this totally decentralized, de, uh, demonetized, democratized network. Um, and so if I think about banks today, they're in the position of where the, where the telecoms companies were in the 80s and 90s of going like, oh, okay, there's this new thing coming that like really disrupts communication. Yeah. What, what is it? How are we relevant in this, mm -hmm. in this new world? And it's not to say that you're not irrelevant. You, you just have to reinvent yourself and figure out where you still add value in that new world, right? And I guess what's what's so important is, and maybe that's what the difficulty is, is to still represent yourself as the custodian of people's money and payments, security, everything that is stable in the world, but at the same time, be innovative, relevant, and adaptable. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, and, and, and who's to know what that looks like yet? I mean, we, it, you know, it's, it, it's science fiction right now. I think we've got yeah. some ideas of what those models may look like, but of course they, they probably are, are on the fringe of, uh, of, of like chaos and on the fringe of, you know, potentially funding terrorists and, you know, all those kinds of bad yeah. things yeah. because they, they, there's no regulatory frameworks around them yet. But, but you know, those things will come. You, we've got to start in a chaotic mode because that's the best way to kind of experiment of course, and understand that's how these anything things. Anything beautiful gets created is taking exactly. chaos and bringing yeah. it to and then 
mm. bring some control over it. Absolutely mm. right. Yeah. And so the winners are the ones that I think start to understand it earlier. Right. Um, I think so. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% certain. So, so, so really yeah. what you're saying is it's about personalization. It's about understanding the customer. And, and the very, very unique lifestyle uh, that your customer needs, lives, and, and actually could benefit from. It's about being cutting edge in terms of a global understanding that it's no longer regional, it's this interconnectivity. It's about the, the payment methods and being relevant to this new world order that is, that is demanding something a lot greater than, than a traditional payment, uh, payment method. Um, yeah. It's really just about being relevant isn't it yeah yeah that's that's 100 percent right i think there's also potentially you know another way to look at it is to say um you know if you think about lending of money right i mean you can see it in in, in a way that that money belongs to me and i'm loaning it to you right and i expect it to be paid back with interest another way of seeing that of, of seeing that, that really that same transaction is to say, actually, Howard, I'm making an investment in you and I'm mm. your partner, you know, as you profit from this investment over time, right? It's flipping from uh, having, having like a debt-driven um, uh, sort of view to more of an investment-driven one, right? Um, and, and I think that's also a very interesting like paradigm shift that potentially banks could make. I, I, I think they do do this in, 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 in some areas, but, but imagine... Um, uh, uh, the, the the sort of traditional student loans market, for example, right? It's, uh, you know, a, a very high potential individual comes out of school with eight distinctions and is now borrowing money um, in order to pay for, you know, her school fees, her, her college fees, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's this big piece of debt that now attaches itself to this, this person. Try and just reimagine that in, in saying, actually, this is a very high potential person. I would like to invest in them, right? And, and I would like to take part in, in, in their, in their mm, you know, in their learning mm, and be mm. part of it, exactly. And, and, and as they grow and make more money and make more profit, I would like a share of that, right? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to putting them into this debt situation which is like I want you know to extract value rather just take you know take part in their in their overall um, like value growth and I think that's such a cool mindset to have Absolutely. Um, incredible because that's yeah. thinking completely differently and and not traditionally yeah. in terms of how the banks have always thought of it unfortunately we do need yeah. to leave it there we are out of time awesome. Tom Wells CIO at Synthesis Director at Synthesis Software Technologies talking to us about the future of banking thank you for taking the time don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel below I'm Howard Feld this is the Synthesis Podcast.